0: Good morning, Firewheel Bible Fellowship. Good morning. It's nice to be here together and hello at home. Welcome to Firewheel Bible Fellowship this morning. I hope you enjoy the spacing in between the seats. Do y'all like that? Isn't that nice? Tell me honestly, a show of hands, did you feel more comfortable walking in here this morning? If yes, raise your hand. Doesn't that feel good? Have a little extra space. I know it's weird. It's everything's weird right now. Everything's totally weird. but. I want you all to feel comfortable here in the service Thank you for being here this morning and thank you for being with us together this morning I would pray and my desire is that our hearts would be oriented to John chapter 13 The text opens with having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them all the way to the end And how did he love us? And how did he love the disciples and one of the most Controversial and confounding sections of scripture. Jesus the Lord and the teacher takes off his robe and puts the towel around his waist and begins to wash the disciples feet. He does something the disciples were not willing to do. You see, the disciples were all caught up in, like, who's the greatest, and who's going to sit at Jesus's right hand, and who's going to sit at Jesus's left hand, and who's the greatest among us? And they were jockeying for position, and, and that's really how we operate. Like, we try to elevate ourselves, but Jesus, really controversially, as a rabbi, took on the form of the lowest servant of the culture. And it was really confounding because this is not how the Lord, like when we know that, that Jesus had come from the Father, that he is Theos, he is God of God, and he has come down and taken on our flesh. This is, not how, this is not how God operates. He humbled himself. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. And in the end, he puts his robe back on and he goes, do you realize what I've done for you? You call me Lord, and you call me teacher, and know you're right in that. I am the Lord, and I am the teacher, and if your master has done this, then you go and do likewise. I've set an example for you. And my prayer is this morning, and that has been my meditation this morning from a devotional that I begin my day with, that today, Lord Jesus, orient our minds to being like you, our master— Lord, this morning may we take the posture of a servant. That we would live out the ethic, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves, that we would love you with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And evidence of that love, we would, we would take off our robes of self-exaltation. We would take off our robes of, of trying to be and make this world about ourselves, and that we would make this world about serving other people. Lord Jesus, show us whose feet we can wash today. And may, us, may we be found faithful in that. And so, Lord, may that be our posture as we approach you together in worship. We pray today for fresh cleansing just as you washed the disciples' feet The even greater cleansing, came through your cross. Please cleanse our hands and our hearts and our, and our minds. We have walked a week in this world, and it's been a mess. in our hearts the deepest affection from you. And from that well of affection, may our hands raise in worship and may our voices rise together and may our prayers be joined together and may we come before your word a broken people dependent upon you, Jesus. And may a work, a miraculous work take place in our life this morning and in through this service. We pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Jesus. Amen. Let us stand together and worship.
1: Good morning, Firewheel. Hi. There's no impossible with Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Let's sing that out this morning. bit louder. Yeah, something inside has changed. I am a mountain mover, water walker, more than just an overcomer.
2: us live on firewheel bible fellowships facebook page mondays wednesdays and fridays at 7:30 a.m for morning devotions with pastor chris elementary and preschool parents grab a blanket and come hang out outside as a family wednesday nights at 7 p.m we will have a kid-friendly bible time and activities that parents will lead their children through that will help reinforce the message this will be a great time to worship together as a family socially distance alongside other firewheel families for more information contact leah at firewheelfellowship.com our adult bible studies have moved to sunday mornings at 9 a.m join us for young families boomers and nesters or builders and bridgers gathering all gatherings are open to anyone check firewheelfellowship.com gatherings for links August 23rd, come a little early to the 11 a.m. Sunday service to set up some shade and comfy seating so we can worship together outside and celebrate baptisms. Stay after for a picnic lunch provided by Firewheel. There is plenty of space for each family to social distance, masks required. Nursery and preschool will not be available so that all of our volunteers and their families can worship together. For more information, go online to firewheelfellowship.com, or you can always check us out on social media. Here.
0: Hey, let's do it twice. All right, let's open our Bibles. Everybody say word. We are in the Gospel of Mark. This morning, we're continuing our series. This is a final installment of Desperations of Faith, and this morning's message is entitled The Desperation of the Storm. Or desperation in the storm. And I think we're gonna be able to relate very much to this morning's message. But before we get into that message, we are going to pray together. And we are going to ask the Lord to take this message that is in, in my hands, it is in my frail hands, it's just five little loaves and two fish, but we're going to hand it to the Lord, and we're going to ask that He bless it, that He break it, and that He provide spiritual nourishment to each one of us as we have need this morning. So Lord Jesus... We come together as a body of believers, and we place in your hands this message. Lord, in my hands, it is not sufficient. But Lord, we entrust it to your hands, and we ask this morning that you would bless this message, that you would, you would break this message and that you would distribute it to each one of us as as we have need this morning, spiritual need. You know absolutely down to the molecule of our spiritual need today. We ask that, Lord, you would nourish our bodies in ways that we just know this morning, that you would nourish our spiritual life, that we would know this is from you today. And we pray this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. I have a close friend of mine. Uh, He served aboard the aircraft carrier, the USS Ticonderoga, uh, many years ago. And he relayed a story when he was aboard that aircraft carrier. Uh, just for uh, your knowledge, just a little bit of uh, information on the USS Ticonderoga right there uh, It is, was the length of about two football fields It stood about eight stories off the water uh, And there was roughly five to six thousand sailors aboard the ship And so essentially, uh, my friend was aboard a floating city A really well-armed <laughs> city <laughs> um, Anyway, his first week aboard the ship, it was like his first time away from Texas. Uh, one of the sailors pulled the wrong hatch on the boat. And I just feel like that hatch should had like a warning on it. Like, don't pull this one anyway. He pulled the hatch, and it sank the ship while at port. And uh, then they made the decision. The decision was made. It was outside of the control of my friend that they were just going to put a quick patch on the boat, like instead of putting it in dry dock and fixing it, they were just going to put a quick patch on it and then then head out to see it. I I don't know about you, but uh, uh, between me and the ocean floor, I want more than just a patch. Y'all agree with that? Anyway, so they go out and they're doing maneuvers, and report came that not one but two typhoons were headed for them as they were ported in in Okinawa, Japan— and uh, so, by the way, if I hear a storm is coming, my initial thought is like, not let's head forward. I'm like, okay, let's either stay in the safety of the harbor or let's sail in the opposite direction. You agree with that? Well, the decision was made they were going to head right for it. And the thought was, let's take these typhoons on in the open ocean. Well, that day is, 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 is as vivid a day in my friend's mind where he can, like, he can articulate like, down to the detail of what he was experiencing and feeling and thinking waves over a hundred feet tall, gale force winds, the boat just being just at the mercy of the storm. I and mean, we saw the ship, but in the storm it was like floating on a tin can. We want to talk about helpless? Waves crashing across the flight deck. I can imagine, (laughs) on that day, prayer was about as abundant on that ship as barf bags. You know what I mean? Well, right now, right now, we are in the middle of a storm. A storm as a country and a community, really a world— this is global. And we we're in a storm as a, as a church. Not just this church, but the church. And as believers and as families and as individual Christians— this storm has hit hard and fast, and it feels like waves. They just keep coming one after the next without any end in sight. There's like torrential rains and hurricane-force winds. How many of you all wake up some days and you're just like, is the storm over yet? You ever do that? Can you all, are we connecting here? Can you relate to that? And it feels like it's just never going to stop. And if we're not careful— We are going to get our eyes off of Jesus, and the the toxin of fear is going to affect and infect our spiritual lives to the point where our faith will suffocate. We are going to turn to a day, it is a vivid day. It is described as that day in the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 4. Just like that day Aboard the USS Ticonderoga My friend will never forget that day I do not believe any of us Will ever forget this season It is as vivid as Pearl Harbor Or the assassination of JFK Or 9-11 We will always be able to remember Where we were and what we were doing When the pandemic hit Well as vivid as this is for us right now and the things that we are facing and going through, that day was vivid in the minds of the disciples. Mark chapter four, verse 35. we turn to that day. The verse opens with, "On that day." If you have a Bible, underline that. That day." Okay, this is a firsthand account. It is being relayed in such a way that we can actually put ourselves on that day, on that day when evening had come. Like right as the sun was dipping below the horizon, Jesus said to the disciples, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Sounds pretty normal and routine, doesn't it? You will notice there is no mention of sinking in the middle of the lake. Did you notice that part? It seems pretty pretty benign. Hey, get in the boat, and we're going to go to the other side. And I can imagine the disciples are like, all right. We're exhausted. It had been a long day of ministry. Jesus was tired. In fact, in verse 36, it says, in leaving the crowd right there on the shore, they got on the boat. They took him, that is Jesus, with them in the boat. Who was with them in the boat, by the way? Who was with them? Jesus. Okay, who with the disciples in the boat? Jesus. Thank you. And where did Jesus say they were going? To the other side. Again, no mention of dying in the middle. Okay. And I love this little phrase. If you have a, bi- a Bible, underline this, or if you've got your Bible up, hit it and highlight it just as he was. Four words, right? And, and it's it's the, the beauty of language that is weaving together. We'll we'll see this, weaving together this incredible tapestry of the mystery of what the theologians call the hypostatic union of Christ, which simply put, it put, it's the harmonizing of perfect humanity and perfect divinity in the person and nature of Jesus. Fully God, fully man. And in this passage, we're actually going to be able to see very vividly the perfect humanity of Christ and the perfect divinity of Christ on display. Jesus is holy, yet he was hungry. Jesus is eternal, yet he got tired. Jesus is theos, he is God, yet he got thirsty. Jesus is sovereign, yet he sorrowed and he suffered. The phrase, just as he was, is another way of saying he was just like us. Jesus was human like we are human, yet without sin. And so you know what this tells me? It tells me it is not a sin to be tired. It is not a sin to be hungry or thirsty or to sorrow. You know what that's called? You know what it's called to be hungry and thirsty and tired and sorrow? You know what that's called? It's called being human. And when we are exhausted, we need rest. I just find it fascinating where Jesus is going to squeeze in a nap. And so they get in the boat, and they set out for a short tour. And immediately I'm like, Gilligan's Island. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just sit right back and you hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic porta. Board this tiny ship, the mate was a mighty sailing man. The skipper brave and sure. Thirteen passengers set sail that day for a a three-hour tour. The weather, okay, that's I'm gonna stop. But (laughs) it seemed rather routine and normal. Okay, it just seemed like this is just like a normal day. Things used to seem really normal and routine, didn't they? Do You all remember our routine? What's that? Remember normal? I can't wait for things to get back to normal. And we're like, what is that? We have our plans, right? We have our expectations and the way things are supposed to go. And for some strange reason, we have this expectation that things are— it's always going to be smooth sailing. And we're like shocked when the storm hits. And when the storm hit, and when it hits us, we, you know, we tend to do some some really strange spiritual things. Like, we tend to isolate instead of invite others into our storm and into our, our fight. And what's crazy is, believers, we are called to be a koinonia, a fellowship, that when one person is struggling, that we struggle together, that we carry one another's burdens. We don't isolate, We invite. When we are hit by a storm, we tend to panic and not pray. We tend to worry and not worship. We tend tend to toss and turn and not trust. A great storm hits, verse 37, and it says a great windstorm, literally a mega windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now it is said that on the Sea of Galilee, storms like this are very common. I'm going to give you a little nerdy geography. Okay, so behind me is going to pop up a picture of the Sea of Galilee Now the Sea of Galilee sits roughly 700 feet below sea level Surrounded by mountainous peaks that rise up to about 3,000 and 4,000 feet above sea level So in the evening hours, warm air will rise up off the Sea of Galilee will mix with the cooler air up top and will throw violent winds down upon the sea Turning what could be a very calm and placid lake into a raging sea in a matter of moments This great windstorm began to stir the sea and these helpless sailors were at the mercy of wind and wave Like that tin can floating around in the pacific And it can feel like right now that's where we're at. We're just like being tossed around We're like at the mercy of all the things that are happening. We're out of control Well, here's the deal. (laughs) You know what storms do They remind us of how utterly small we are You know, we like to think that we're in control and we like to play the little G God of our lives. And storms remind us that we're not in control and they remind us how utterly dependent we are. We are dependent beings. The boat was filling with water. We read that in the text, but I want to tell you, water was not the biggest problem because you know what was filling that boat far faster than water? Fear. thoughts began to pound against their hearts and their souls. Why was Jesus allowing this? Why did he lead us directly into a storm? Why wasn't he stopping the storm? And hey, where's Jesus anyway? And one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, because of just the beauty of the contrast it creates, (laughs) while the disciples are absolutely getting blasted, they look to the back of the boat, verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Isn't that wonderful? You know what? Jesus is catching some G- Z's, the disciples are frantically paddling. While Jesus was getting some shit out of the disciples, were thinking they were going to die. It's beautiful. And you know what? All the disciples could see were their circumstances. All they could see was the storm that was raging around them. And you know what they started to do? This is crazy because we do this. They began to draw their spiritual cues from circumstances. Family, we need to get our spiritual cues from Jesus and not our circumstances. Here's the deal. If Jesus is not panicking, neither should we. If the scriptures are not telling us to panic and be filled with fear, neither should we. You know, it's crazy. You will never find a verse in the Bible that says, O follower of Jesus, be filled with fear, panic, and worry. The scriptures are always encouraging us towards faith. And so I just want to give you a little statement here, kind of long to like put to memory, but it's in the sermon, buddy. It's written down. If you want to write it down, I'll, I'll put it up on the screen for like 13 seconds. If everything in the world tells us to panic, yet everything in the Word tells us to trust, we need to place our faith in the Word and not the world. Y'all see what I'm trying to convey with that? When everything in the world is telling us to panic, yet everything in the Word is telling us to trust, we need to place our faith in the Word and not the world. But instead of taking their spiritual cues from Jesus, the disciples start taking their cues from circumstances. And you know what I'm going to tell you right now? Circumstances lie. They lead us to believe things about Jesus that are just not true. Things like, Jesus doesn't care about me, or He isn't good. Or maybe he's taken me this far just to drop me. Our anthem cry begins to rise up like it did for the children of Israel in the wilderness, right? Like God powerfully delivered them from Egypt, but every now and then there would be a storm. There'd be like a shortage of water, there'd be like a shortage of food, and then all of a sudden the disciples are like, oh, you've led us out of Egypt to kill us in the desert. Verse 38, they woke him up, Isn't that, you know, I woke everybody up in the household this morning. I did. I'm a morning person, by the way. And I know you non-morning people are like, ugh. My family, not morning people. But I had been up for hours. I'd have my coffee. That's my time in the Word. I'm singing worship songs. I'm like, good morning, good morning. It's time to start a brand new day. And kids start walking downstairs. They're like, I hate you. Why are we down here? I'm like, I made you breakfast. They wake Jesus up from a nap, and he's having a great nap. Teacher, do you not— <laughs> I'm sorry. It's hard to read this, because I've said these words. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I do think this is a fascinating little change here. In other passages, they call him Lord. Here they call him teacher. Both are accurate by the way. He is the Lord and he is the teacher. But I do think that you know there's this this tendency we have that in crisis we tend to remove Jesus from our throne, like from the throne of our hearts. We are so prone to remove Jesus from the throne. They shake Jesus a week crying out they're going to die and then accusing him of not caring. Again, fear leads us to believe things about Jesus that aren't true. They're not going to die. He had told them that they were going from one side to the other. Again, Jesus never mentioned drowning in the, in the middle. But something really cool. This really struck me. And, and this is a new way of looking at this passage for me, because I've often looked at it and been like, those disciples, when are they going to get it? Why do they have so little faith? And I'm like, if I was in the boat that day, y'all ever do that? Like insert yourself as like the hero of the narrative of the text? Like I, I wouldn't. I could imagine Peter. (laughs) Anyway, I'm just like, I would have been terrified, because a little storm hits and I freak out. So here's the deal. I've often looked at down my nose at the disciples, but here's another way to look at this. When the storm hit and they were panicking, who did they turn to? Who did they turn to? We can get really down on ourselves or like not having more faith or, 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 or not being like stronger or like I should have done that better. I should have had more confidence in the Lord in this and I should have stepped out in more faith. And, and then we have to remind ourselves, oh, wow, well, I'm human like the disciples were human. And the same things that they struggle with, I struggle with. And I get scared too. But I love the beauty of that, that they turn to Jesus. And I love how Jesus responds and he awoke and he rebuked the wind And the sea this is, this is phenomenal He rebukes the wind like that yappy neighbor dog You know what I'm talking about? Barks every morning, every night He rebukes the wind Three words, peace be still And the wind ceased And there was a great What? So where there was once a great Storm, there is now a great Uh-huh. And so here in this moment, we just saw jesus Order peace and command calm. He demonstrates his total authority over creation So over the past three weeks, we have seen jesus heal sickness in the woman with the flow of blood We've seen jesus raise the dead and we've now seen jesus bring calm to a storm This tells me that he has total authority over sickness death and creation So in the same passage, we see that Jesus in his perfect humanity was tired, exhausted, asleep on a pillow, and then in his perfect divinity, he speaks to creation, and it listens. The question we have to ask ourselves, and that we should be led to, is always, who then is this Jesus? But I I believe that these words— We're not just for wind and wave. I think these words were for the 12 desperate, panic, fear filled disciples, and I believe these words are for us this morning. Peace. Be still. Relax. Calm down. Stop panicking. In Jesus, we can have peace in here and peace in here, even when the storm rages around us. In Jesus, we can have peace in here and peace in here, even when the storm rages around us. And again, where there was once a great storm, there is now a great calm. Do you think Jesus had the disciples undivided attention at this point? It's like those moments where it's kind of hard to make eye contact with Jesus. Because in the storm, I'm like, you're gonna let us die. You take it this is why drive us. And then all of a sudden, there's calm. And I'm like, so, yeah, all those things I said, and thought." You've been faithful again. Faithful when I'm faithless. There's this great calm. And really, this was one of the most important days for these disciples. And and really, it's one of the most important days and seasons for us as believers. Family, something that we forget about is that our faith Is grown in times of difficulty This is one of the most important seasons That any of us will ever face as believers And we're being faced with this tension Of fear and faith And again, fear is that spiritual toxin That affects and infects That is the great global pandemic right now Is fear 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 suffocates our faith, and what I love is that Jesus comes and he asks them two simple questions, and he's got two questions for us, and I love that the text says he spoke these words. He didn't yell these words. It's very conversational. He's like, hey guys, verse 40, like, why, why are you so afraid right now? Come on guys, we've been together for a while now. Like why why so little faith right now? Well, Jesus the storm and the and the waves and the and the boat was filling and and, and, and we were we were going to die. And Jesus is like, why are you so afraid? Well, well Lord, jobs are being lost and and the sickness is spreading and our kids are going back to school and and none of us know what we're doing. And 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 we're wandering around and we we have the economy and then the world and the election and, and, and everything's falling apart. We don't know what we're gonna do. I'm scared. Our marriage is on the rocks. I I don't know what's going on with my kids. And, they, and some are going off to college, and some of them are, like, grown. And I'm like, oh, why can't they turn back to the Lord or to the Lord? And, and there's so much out of my control, and I'm lost, and I feel scared, and I'm worried. And to which Jesus is like, why, why are you so afraid? And we have to realize that that question actually goes deeper than just circumstances. It gets to the heart of the matter, like, Why? Why are we so afraid? And I think the the pretty simple answer is we're afraid because we fear that Jesus will not take care of us. That he's not who he said he is. And he's not going to work in our lives like he works in the lives of others. We've been burned plenty of times. We've been let down. We've placed our trust and faith in people. And they have failed us. We put our, our faith and trust in so many things, and they've given way, and there's times where we're like, I put my faith and trust in Jesus to do something, and he didn't do it. And we, have, we get to this place, and we're like, I'm scared, and is he enough? Is Jesus enough? And family, the simple answer is yes, Jesus is enough. And then he adds Have you still no faith or why so little faith? These disciples had been with Jesus for a while They had seen his miracles They had listened to his teaching They had spent intimate time with Jesus And this tells me, you know what? We can spend time with Jesus and still not trust our life to him We can spend a lot of time with Jesus And still not put our trust in him We can hear his teaching and still not put our trust in him We can see him work in the lives of others and still not put our trust in him. But when we come to grips with who Jesus really is and who is in the boat with us, it would literally be crazy to not entrust our life to Jesus. Because in verse 41, the text says they were filled with great what? Fear. Now this is the only appropriate application of fear, by the way. It means awe Of his august presence who, who is this? Because the reality hit them There's only one person who could do this Only God has this type of authority over creation And it leads them To say to one another Who then is this that even wind and sea obey him? Did you see what just happened right there? The storm got them really thinking about who Jesus is. Do y'all see that? And the storm right now is getting us to think about who, who Jesus is. And people right now in our culture and surrounding world, they're asking the question, well, this storm's pretty gnarly. Who is this Jesus. I had one of those amazing conversations yesterday. You ever have like a God conversation and you just like know God's all over it? I was I was having a conversation with a close friend of mine and he and he was sharing with me his testimony. Y'all listen to each other's testimonies, by the way. They're powerful. They encourage our faith. Because other people have gone through things that we've gone through, and we share our experiences, and you know what? It strengthens one another. Anyway, he's sharing his story, and it was just this powerful testimony. And he goes, you know, I was at rock bottom. I hit bedrock. Y'all ever been there? Like, totally to the bottom. Like, you've tried everything else. Everything's failed you. Everything's falling apart. And he goes, so I open up the Bible. Isn't that crazy? It takes, like, what it takes for us i'm like lord jesus whatever it takes and he goes i open up to the to the book of mark chapter 4 no joke this is what he says to me where jesus and the disciples are in the boat middle of the lake the storm hits And he's sharing just emotion. He was like, that's where I was. I was in the boat. I thought I was going to die. But he goes, you want to know what's crazy? The day I thought was going to be the day I died was actually the first day of my real spiritual life. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Dude, you know what I'm preaching tomorrow? Literally that passage. He was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> no, we were sitting there, and we were just kind of geeking out on it, like, this is crazy, this is God, and, and, uh, and I just felt like I wanted to share that, because you know what, sometimes you think that this is the day you die, maybe that's the day your real spiritual life begins. And you're led to this place of of asking the question, who then is this? Who can heal the sick and raise the dead and calm the seas? Who then is this? Who can rebuke the demonic and walk on the waters and command the lame to walk? Who then is this? who can feed the masses with five little loaves and two little fish, confound the educated and humble the most wise and esteemed of any generation? Who then is this who can suffer and die on the cross, yet shake off death like a loose garment and rise from the dead? Who then is this who can establish his church with the fire of the Holy Spirit, dictate the terms of history, and decree his return to establish his kingdom on planet Earth? Who then is this who can set free the addicted, heal the abused, and give grace to the gangster? Who then is this who can break the obsession with sin and heal our marriages and cleanse us of sin who then is this who can order our release secure our eternity and give us the abundant life right now who then is this who has promised to take care of us never forsake us and never leave us alone who then is this His name is Jesus, perfect in humanity, perfect in divinity, the God, man, the Savior of the world. Let Jesus be the focal point of our faith, our day, our week, our year. Let him be the focal point of our life. Let's get our eyes off the storm and get our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and author of our faith. He is the anchor for our souls. He is the rock for our feet. We can stand on Christ. He is the solid rock. We may feel helpless like those sailors aboard the USS Ticonderoga. We may feel like we we got tricked. It was supposed to be a three-hour tour, and look what's happened. We may feel like we're aboard the SS Galilee right now, and the storms are hitting, and, and we're just getting rocked by wind and waves, and the boat is not just filling with water, it's filling with fear. But let us get our eyes off the storm and get our eyes back on Jesus. And you know what'll happen? You know what'll happen when we get our eyes on Jesus? You know what suffocates then? Fear. And you know what grows? Faith. Okay, a few next steps, because we need to take some steps this week. Y'all, I'm going to encourage you, if we're not taking true tangible next faith steps, like faith steps, like real ones, then we're not going to experience the divine power of Christ in our life this week. We have, there has to be some level of action, okay? True faith, evidenced by action. There there has to be some way this week that we apply something of the spiritual life if we expect to experience. And so I want to first say, don't pull spiritual cues from circumstances. I could, really culture, right? These are scary times, and the world is panicking. And if we get our eyes off of Jesus and the scriptures, we're going to start panicking too. It's just the nature of it. If we fill all our time with Facebook and not God's book, and I get that, that's kind of a silly, oh. not Facebook, but God's book. That was a tricky one there, Pastor Chris. I get that. But there's some legitimate level of truth to that. You'll agree? You know what I get on my iPhone every week? My weekly report of how much time I wasted that week. <laughs> and I know as a pastor, there are always prayers and phone calls And scrolling (laughs) If everything in the world is telling us to panic Yet everything in the word is telling us to trust We need to place our faith in the word and not the world Secondly, we gotta trust in the Lord's care It's common thought in our hearts When things start to go really bad We start to get fearful that God That Jesus is not going to take care of us And you know what, that's okay It's okay to have fear Okay, we've done a really crummy job in the church of making people feel guilty and ashamed for just the reality of being human You're going to have fear. There's going to be times where you're going to be afraid There's times where worry is going to take over That's why you need a spiritual reset Where you reset your spiritual life. Oh, yeah, that's right I'm not placing my faith in the things of this world. I am placing my faith in the lord jesus christ He is stable. I can build my life on him And here's the deal. When you start to get fearful and that anxiety and that frustration and that fear starts to take over, you know who you're going to turn to? I want to encourage you to turn to. Turn to Jesus and grab a hold of him and go, we're going to die. And be okay with Jesus turning to you and and have him say to you, peace. Be still. Why are you so afraid right now? And there's this, like, peace that surpasses understanding. It begins to guard our hearts and our minds. And there starts to be this peace, and we just go, okay, I'm going to trust you today, Lord. And I'm going to walk by faith today, not by sight. And then I've already said this, but take some faith steps this week. First of all, place your faith in Jesus. If you have never articulated from your heart with your mouth, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I, I ask for forgiveness for my sins. I need a savior. If you have never articulated those words from your mouth that flows from your heart, that's where you start. That's the beginning of the real spiritual life. It is a place of surrender. If you have never surrendered your life, that is where you begin. That's your next face step. And some of you may be like, "Well, I'm not ready to take that face step today." That's okay. But just so you know, that's your next faith step. And so if you would like to experience true divine power in your life, you have to ex- ex- like, take a real faith step and place your faith in Him, and that is a movement of the heart that moves the mouth. From the mouth we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and from the heart we believe that God raised Him from the dead. And guess what? When we do that, we are what? Saved. That is the beginning of the spiritual life. The next step as believers is we are Baptized. We follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I had two phone calls this week. They were beautiful. First phone call was from, from a gal that is going to be baptized. And as we talked on the phone, she's like, I, I've, never, I've, never, I've never asked Jesus into my life. I've never placed my faith in him to believe in him like that. So we prayed together. And as she was praying, she begins to weep and, and to articulate this prayer. This is the day of her salvation. It's amazing. You know how it began the conversation? She filled out the form on our website. She just clicked the link, filled out the form, and I called her. The next person I called was a person who'd been a believer for a long, long time. But she's like, you know what? I feel like the Lord's leading me to take some real steps, and and I've never been baptized. Like, I've heard about baptism, and I've thought about baptism, but I've never really been baptized. And uh, I feel kind of embarrassed a little bit because it's been so long, but you know what? I'm gonna be baptized. And I, and I told both of them, like, wow, these are real steps of faith that you're taking. And I'm like, I'm anticipating some real divine power moving in your life right now. If you have not placed your faith in Jesus and you have not been baptized, my, my encouragement, your next step is to go onto the website, click the tile, fill out the form, and I will call you Personally. To you at home, I will call you personally, and we will talk about salvation, and we will talk about baptism, and if you're ready, baptism is August 23rd, and we're going to have our baptism service out here in the parking lot. We're going to have a big outdoor service, and it's going to be a beautiful, wonderful time, and for some of us, that's our next step, but some of you are like, well, I've already placed my faith in Jesus, and I have been baptized, and I'm like, okay, so what faith step are you going to take this week? And I'm just going to rattle off a few examples, but... I'm not going to hit them all. Like, start the day with prayer. Begin, f- begin on the knees and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. It's a physical act of a spiritual desire. Y'all see that? Tangible step. Open the Bible and read some scripture. Meditate on that scripture. If you don't know where to start, a devotional is a great place to start. And I have an idea for for one. Y'all write this down. New morning mercies. Everybody say that with me. New morning mercies. Paul Tripp. Look for opportunities to be of service this week. That's a tangible step of faith. Whose feet can I wash today? If you are struggling and you are quietly dying alone, Ask for help. That is a tangible faith step. And you will see divine power at work in your life. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your grace and your goodness. This word has been so refreshing to my life. And my spiritual life. Lord Jesus, you have nourished you have fed me, and I pray that we feel nourished as a church. If you feel that the Lord is, is moving in your heart right now, like to take a step of faith, then don't fight that. Do it. Don't let the enemy come along and steal the seed of that faith. take that step. Whatever that step is this week, take it. Lord Jesus, give us the faith to take those steps. We love you. We love your word. We love this church. We love one another. We love you. May we be this picture, this this true evidence of your love for the world. May that just pour out of us this week, and please lead us to take our eyes off the storm and get our eyes back on you, Jesus. There's sanity. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, family, let's stand together. Let's stretch at home, stretch. For it's time to go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering. And share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all till we meet again, same time, same place next week. And do not forget, family, you are loved, right? Now let's carry that love outside these doors to the world. Have a wonderful week.